Welcome to Topple Uncaged. I'm Steve Topple and you're locked on to the UK's hottest politics and music podcast. Each week, I bring you the rawest takes on the big stories making the news, always joined by a very special guest. Then, I pleasure your mind, body and soul with the freshest, most banging international music going. Uncaged. What's up, everyone? I am Steve Topple. It is Sunday, the 18th of August, and that can only mean one thing. It's this week's edition of Topple Uncaged. Yes, thank you to Benefits News for the song suggestion for this week. It is, of course, Spitting Image with the Chicken Song. Who remembers that from the 80s? I recall bopping around in a holiday camp to that when I was about five. But the song about jetting off on your holidays and about tacky pop music that always accompanies the summer months has some relevance this week because we have seen some extreme weather around the world. I mean, have you seen the photos of kangaroos jumping in the snow in Australia? And then meanwhile, at the other end of the scale, Greenland, where all the snow is melting, are looking to cull loads of huskies because they're not needed anymore because there's no snow for them to go on. It's absolutely terrible, that situation. But it is endemic of what is happening around the world with our climate. And of course at the forefront of this is Greta Thunberg. She is sailing across the Atlantic this week to go and speak at a UN conference on climate change. Let's do the dance again. Now, look, don't get me wrong, I have a lot of respect for Greta. I think what she's doing is excellent, and I think it's really, really important that more and more and more young people could become politically engaged and also involved in the climate and ecological catastrophe that we're all facing. However, I have an issue with this. Now, before anyone says anything, I'm not taking the same stance as some far-right commentators like Aaron Banks and Julie Hartley Brewer take in terms of that she is being used by the climate catastrophe lobby as such to push their climate change agenda, which obviously people on the far-right do not believe. What I do have an issue with, however, is the people who are backing Greta. Just look at her trip across the Atlantic. The boat was affiliated to Prince Albert II of Monaco. Monaco, being one of the biggest tax havens in the world, has more millionaires and billionaires per capita than any other country and essentially it is a top-down hierarchical society. Now Prince Albert has been doing a lot of work on renewables and if you look at the work he has been doing, link to this is in the show notes, it is with some of the biggest crony corporatist capitalist organisations going like AXA. So unfortunately what people are using Greta for in my opinion is to further the agenda of the green takeover by corporations. This is going to get us nowhere. We cannot have a climate revolution and ultimately save the planet and us as a species and every other species on it when corporations are involved. What is this all about? The same corporations that promote tax avoidance, top-down monocle hierarchies, and ultimately are not serving the best interests of the people. Yes, okay, so we may convert to renewables, and we may partially avert a climate catastrophe. However, nothing's actually going to improve for some of the poorest people on this planet. Allowing corporations to be involved in the green movement is just putting sticking plasters on broken legs. What we need is a system change from the bottom up. And I'm afraid Greta is being exploited, as some people on the far right say, but not for the reasons they do. She is being exploited by corporatist organisations to further their own agendas and ultimately keep their profit margins up. Check it out. See, the only thing you need to do right here is snod your freaking head. Yeah, here we go now. Where we going now? 
<laughs> Meanwhile, speaking of profit margins and the weather, it seems that many Tories of both red, yellow and blue shades had some sunstroke this week. How they managed that in the UK with the weather we've had, I don't know, but... Yes, that is, of course, Buster Rhymes with Break Your Neck. Thanks to Nicola for that top suggestion. The song is all about how it's only him and his crew giving real street shit and everyone else is fake and a player. And that's quite apt for some of the Tories, Liberal Democrats and centre-right Labour MPs that have been tweeting this week. Take Grant Shapps, new Tory Secretary of State for Transport. He tweeted that, even so, given pollutants contribute directly, not through warming, to thousands of deaths per year in the UK, it's worth doing regardless of whether other nations following our lead. This is about a net zero target emission by 2050. But of course, as Penn JF pointed out on Twitter, drugs deaths soared to the highest level on record. The austerity-obsessed cons funding cuts to treatment services of 27% over three years are the cause of the latest increases. The cons have a huge amount of blood on their hands. Yes, no hypocrisy at all in Grant Shapp's statement, never mind the countless deaths, not least 120,000 due to austerity, that he and his government has presided over. Speaking of hypocrisy, we're off to James Cleverly MP, notorious Twitter user. He tweeted that there are 32.81 million people employed in the UK. That's a new record. Average weekly pay grew with 3.9% in the year to June. That's the highest over a decade. Conservative policies support the economy so we can pay for our great public services. Join us. Ha! Delusional? No, just spewing more propaganda. Never mind the fact the number of people claiming unemployment benefits actually went up. And you've only achieved this record employment level, firstly because the population is at a record level. And secondly, you are forcing more sick, disabled and chronically ill people back into work than ever before. Do shut up, cleverly. And we're off to another Tory, but one who wears a red rosette, and it is Mike Gapes. He tweeted, I'm sure Russia, Iran and Maduro and Venezuela will be looking forward to Prime Minister Corbyn. Yes, what, sorry, what's the other alternative? That's Crown Prince bin Salman of Saudi Arabia is quite happy with Boris Johnson, PM. And last but not least, I have to give a shout out to the Liberal Democrats who tweeted the lovely video of their newest recruit, Chukura Muma, saying, this isn't really about Jeremy Corbyn, it's about who could command a majority in the House of Commons to stop a New Deal Brexit. Chukura, we can always tell when you're lying because your bloody lips move. This is all about Jeremy Corbyn, obviously, and yours and others' attempts to supplant him in any way possible. My God, these Tories have been rampant on Twitter this week. And I really should add a disclaimer to this, that the choice of Break Your Neck by Buster Rhymes had nothing to do with the news this week. Had nothing, nothing, nothing at all to do with Jeffrey Epstein. No, nothing at all. Anyway, let's go on with this week's show. I've got an extremely important campaign to talk to you about. We've, of course, got the public's news views in Twitter chirps back. And I've only been talking to a world record-breaking athlete turned music producer now. And no, I'm not talking about Eddie the Eagle Edwards. Let's crack on with today's show. Soaring above this week's top stories, I'm free-flying with... If you follow me closely on Twitter, you may have seen that I've been promoting and trying to raise awareness of a story about a very, very lovely young lady who is in a very, very terrible situation in a hospital in Lewisham. Now, to talk about this young lady, I have a very special guest on. She is a very, very, very good friend of mine, and she's also an old friend of the show, having been on now twice, and this is her third appearance. But on a serious note, she's advocating for this lovely young lady, and and she's trying to be her voice in the maelstrom of what is going on regarding her health and social services and everything surrounding um, her life at the moment. Um, I think she's doing an excellent job. Her link to her Twitter will be in the show notes because it's absolutely stunning what she puts out on social media. I'm very pleased to have her here. We've, we've chatted once already today and we've just been chatting again off air because we had some technical difficulties earlier. So we're, <laughs> we're back again to do a re-record. But it's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast as I say again for the third time now it is Tina Rodwell. Tina thank you so much for coming on to talk about this very 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 important and very very in my opinion disturbing story but we'll get into that in a second but thank you for coming on again. 
Thank you very much for asking me. It's a pleasure always to speak to you. Thank you. Okay, so as I said in the introduction, people may have seen this on my social media. This is about a young lady called Gigi. Gigi is 17. Um, she was healthy, fit, young girl, full of life, full of beans, full of hope and uh, aspirations for the future. Up until last year when she contracted a virus, which they think was a very bad case of the flu, of which she has never recovered. She has a diagnosis of myalgic encephalomyelitis, ME, um, which many of you will know from my work. It's a chronic systemic neuroimmune disease. Um, more links about ME will be in the show notes. But she's living with ME now, um, and she's currently in Lewisham Hospital in South London. Now, this is a really, really complex story. Um, and Tina, I mean, if you can kind of break it down for the listeners, what, what happened to Gigi from the point of when she first got ill up until now and what's your involvement with her and what are you doing on her behalf so Gigi like you say came down with a virus and everything normal came about she was feeling poorly and then she started to recover but not recover fully like you normally would so her mum and her family took her to the doctors they had blood tests which come up normal so Things were a little bit, well, what's wrong here? And they did some more tests and eventually she got a diagnosis of myalgic encephalomyelitis. And they tried to find a way, a pathway into care that would suit Gigi. And as that time went on, she gradually became less able until she went to a family event and she collapsed. And that's when the story really exploded because if you can't find anything in the blood and if you can't find a test the doctor doesn't know what to do and it's very very difficult for GPs and doctors the research isn't there so they tried to find a way around and in the meantime she lost a lot of weight and was admitted um, to the hospital one hospital and turned away and she was still very poorly, so they admitted her to Lewisham Hospital, and she was in a life-threatening way, and they tube-fed her, and they couldn't get her weight going again. Still, things were not so bad, and that's where I started to hear about the story, or the happenings, and I kept my ear to the ground and formulated some support and help and started to contact the family to see if there was anything they could be doing. And they managed to get a very good ME doctor actually in who understood the gastronomical problems that people with ME have and suggested um, medication for Marcel. And at that point, Gigi started putting on weight and things were a lot better. And they had pain control and that was going okay and she was taken out of hospital because she was on a normal ward and for people with ME they have chronic pain when they are bombarded with lights and sound that us normal people take for granted so she got home but they sent her home with inadequate care really um, and it's really difficult for the doctors I do really want to point that out if nobody tells them that people die from ME and if they don't tell them that the severity of pain is beyond your imagining, the doctors don't really understand what needs to be put in place. So they'd sent her home with this bed and it had an air mattress on and it was vibrating and that's when I went to see Gigi. And she had gone from July when she was vibrant and voracious and out there to go and get life. She'd already written a book. She was dreaming of going to the fields and writing more books. That was her dream. And she was already saving money for it. And there she was lying in a darkened room with eye mask over um, and unable to move and when she went into Lewisham Hospital, she could walk aided, she could talk and she had a really big conversation with about her care 
and that was please don't push my body beyond its capability there was a thing in parliament about the pace trial and also about the treatment and you need to be aware of this and they just dismissed her dismissed her concerns everything will be all right you're fine and dismissed her feelings so when she lost her voice she was probably in the scariest place that we could ever imagine she's unable to move unable to communicate and even when she was able to communicate the doctors didn't want to know so I had to go in there and really try and work out a way of communicating and the radio was on and I went over to the side and I held on to this metal, you know, the metal bars that go across the hospital beds. And I felt the vibration. And in my experience, that must have been hell for Gigi. So I said to the mum, um, Does, what, what, what's all this about? And she said, oh, that's the air mattress. And I said, that's got to stop. You can't have that going. And I went over... And we took it away and I was looking specifically to see how Gigi was reacting, whether we were doing the right thing, whether she wanted us there and all those sort of things. And her face just relaxed. It was sublime to see that when somebody's in that much pain and that much distress because she's not being listened to. Um, you can't imagine it, can you? If you're wrapped up like a mummy. And you, you're, you're unable to do anything and yet your mind is working fine. That must be an awful place. So I knew that that was a good process. And I, I said to Gigi, you've got, got the music going. Um, is that OK? And she could only grunt. She could move one side of her mouth. And that's the way we were communicating. So the the music was okay so I said to her have you got ringing in your ears because with ME you get tinnitus and it can be quite bad and if you're having speech in the background that can help and she acknowledged that that was happening so we managed to gather that and when I held her hand which she was unable it was very stiff and unable to move um, one side of her well, her right arm was colder than her left arm. Now, that could be for 101 reasons, including being left out of the blankets or whatever. But I thought that was worthy of note. And then I felt up her arm and asked her if that was OK. And she said, yeah, that was fine. And I went across her chest. And it was when I got to her chest that she murmured. And it wasn't a murmur of yes or no. That was a murmur that that was pain. That was causing her pain. And that, with her um, facial expressions, I understood that that was pain. Now, as we went through this process, I could tell that Gigi was getting worn down. So you can't spend a lot of time communicating with someone because they need their brain activity to, to work. And that is an activity. So I said to her... Um, you do you need someone to talk for you do you need a voice do you want your voice out there in the public and that was a, a definite grunt was yes for sure and then I said would you like me to be your voice is that okay is that what you want and that was a double grunt and at that moment I knew that Gigi had such a tenacity with inside her that comes from a real strong determination that me is not going to beat me i am going to make myself heard and my whole idea of advocacy is to get that voice heard it's about co-production working with the person and helping them to have a voice I think you've summed the situation up brilliantly and um, I, I, I hear what you're saying about when you say that um, can we hold doctors wholly responsible because if they haven't been taught and that, as you quite rightly pointed out that ME does kill people um, then how are we expected to know and I, I, I think there's an element of that and that's that's kind of where really your notion of 
co-production comes in i think you you sort of told me about this today and your thoughts on it and I've, i find it very interesting i think it's extremely extremely important um what you propose and the sort of methods of working um that you think should be in place just 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 tell for the listeners at home what what you mean by co-production in terms of the patient and medical professionals within the nhs the NHS holds the lived experience as part of or more important than anything else, which is correct. Now, I've always thought that. I didn't realise it was a new phenomenon that they've come up with. When you go to a doctor, you are entering into a relationship with that doctor and it's mutual respect. So I tell the symptoms And he tells me the possibilities and we do like a tick check of what we think. And then we head out for the one that we both think is more probable than any other. And then we either have a test or we have treatment. So that's the idea. And it's a lived experience, including the decision making from commissioning to design and co-delivery so it not only goes from the doctor it's also about getting your area in the commissioning so they can design treatment for certain complex conditions and then get the delivery that those people require no absolutely do you know what i mean i think in terms of what you're saying me is really the perfect example of this isn't it because it's so 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 important that in the first instance when someone goes to their gp saying that they're ill with the symptoms which are of me that the doctor actually does listen because we hear you as well as i hear so many stories of people with me but also which i know you have a knowledge of and i do elos danlos syndrome who go to their doctors complaining of feeling this this that that and the other the doctor due to lack of knowledge um and also at times some sort of professional arrogance doesn't listen properly to the patient and doesn't maybe um understand what they're explaining and doesn't give them the time they need and they end up with another diagnosis and it just delays the process altogether and i i think there's a real um for me there's a culture shift which needs to come with co-production from the, the doctor doctor's point of view and the relationship they they have with patients or maybe i'm just a embattled cynical carer at the minute and then that might be that coming out tina i don't know no i think that's right and and what happened in this particular instance is because it uh, the medical team were floundering and throwing all sorts of diagnoses left right and center they weren't listening to Judy now she'd lost her voice she hadn't lost her mind she hadn't lost her determination her body had changed all her dreams haven't it was just her body now you need joined up thinking you need difference of thoughts working together and that's what didn't happen there was a lead who was in control of this and he rightly probably had concerns about things like deep vein thrombosis i have never heard of a case of me that has had that condition but it's something that's listed on on nice guidelines so you have to think about that from the doctor's point of view. But there was no communication. Now, I wrote to the hospital and I introduced myself. I told them what that I was doing. I am very open. I am very honest, as honest as a human being can be. And I'm transparent. And it is vital that we all do that in this particular case. Because doctors get taken down just as much as anybody else does and there's a whole system of different ideas coming in now like I said he probably had concerns and he thought right concerns and he wanted Gigi to keep moving and going ahead but she'd already explained about the PACE trial she'd already explained about how post-exertional malaise was affecting her and at some point they should have backed off and thought, right, come on, Gigi, then let's work together and let's protect everybody and see where we're going with this. And that didn't happen. And I still haven't had any conversation with the hospital. I've wrote four letters 
already. I've written to the commissioning group and I've also written to the care and quality control. Now, that's all because we should be doing joined up thinking. We should be co-designing the delivery of Gigi's care. No, absolutely. And uh, I mean, this is a very complicated story, isn't it? And it's extremely, extremely complex. And in this particular instance, we're not going in on the full details, if you like. Um, There will be links in the show notes to some write-ups on Gigi, and there'll also be a link to the crowdfunding page that her mother set up. Um, But we're not sort of, there's a lot more going on here, but we sort of wanted to pinpoint some certain aspects, didn't we? I should should say um, this will also be in the show notes but i will just read it out for um for for professionalism of course i did go to lewisham and greenwich nhs trust for comment on Gigi's case um Gigi's real name is um jahan is that correct jahan jahan okay so i asked them for comment on jahan's case um and they told me that jahan is a priority for us and we are taking her care very seriously we have sought advice from specialists in this field and continue to work with her family and doctors to ensure she receives the best care and treatment that was from lewisham and greenwich nhs trusts who are currently responsible for Gigi's care um uh, that's debatable that's all i'm going to say on that matter um i mean just to sort of sum up tina how is Gigi at the minute because she's still in lewisham hospital um and we, there was sort of a to and throwing whether she was going to come out or not and she isn't i mean how is she and how how does she feel about everything that's happened to her up until this point at the moment they've taken away her pain medication they've taken away her mast cell um she has gained weight They're taking her eye mask off, which is unacceptable, really, apart from cleaning her face, because the sensory overload that will cause her will put her in deeper pain. But it's the pain. Why would you withhold pain relief from somebody with ME? It's just unfathomable that they would do that. And it's brilliant that Lewisham are saying they're taking her care seriously. Then let's have a meeting speak to me allow us to all communicate and work together that's what's needed here and we can all work together it's not impossible nobody's going to agree a hundred percent we haven't got anything to go on now the problem comes that the general medical council have done no research into biomedical research into me they are not looking for a biomarker so what are the doctors supposed to do we need to support them by making it well just shouting from the rooftops come on now this has been decades we need a biomarker they the nice guidelines need to really listen and i will be sending this case into them which I, has been suggested to me that i do i've already told them about this case and i've told the um family courts because that's where um the family will be taken if they don't do what they are told so i've told them and i've told um as many people as I can think of, because it is going to take us all. It takes a society to bring up children and it takes us working together and getting things right. And that's where we need to concentrate. And the person that is going to take us there is Gigi. She has an amazing sense of what is right and wrong, a fantastic sense of humour. And it is She is a shining light and a shining example of what the UK should be. Let's listen to our children. Let's stand up for Gigi. I have nothing else to add on that brilliant ending, Tina. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that, and I think you summed it up perfectly. All the information on Gigi's case will be in the show notes, as will a link to Tina's Twitter feed, which has lots more information on there. Tina, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Gigi, and please send her mine and Nicola's love, and obviously the family as well, um, and we will be following closely any developments in this. But for the minute, Tina Rodwell, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for everybody taking notice and supporting us. It's lovely. And I'm sure Gigi will let me know how I did. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I want some feedback. Good. (laughs) Thank you. Time for you guys to be uncaged because Twitter chirps back. 
Yes, it is that time of the week again. It is Twitter Chirps Back. I am confident that this is the only political program in the UK that lets you have your say on the week's top stories completely unfiltered. No filters here. As always, I put out a tweet at the end of the week. You give me your news views and I will read them out on air. It is as simple as that. And my goodness, what a lot of comments I've had this week. People getting involved, involved, involved. It is excellent. No surprises to say that a lot of the chatter on Twitter has been about the Liberal Democrats, specifically Joe Swinson. Um, Gail Leatherby, my great friend Gail. Hello, Gail. She says, Lib Dems prepared to work with Conservatives and support political austerity for five years, but not prepared to support an anti-austerity Corbyn as caretaker PM for a matter of weeks. Go figure. Hashtag no deal Lib Dems. Hashtag Joe Swinson is a Tory. Yes, there have been lots of comments, Gail, along this theme. Um, Benefits News said, Benefits News, we are in a real time of crisis. Jeremy Corbyn has a very decent, viable offer of temporary caretaker Prime Minister and some MPs want to deny him that, but totally forgetting the lives at risk due to no-deal Brexit or, if double whammy, recession on top. Joe Swinson wants to be PM self. Corbyn has been an MP for decades versus some newbies. Remind, he has sent off two Prime Ministers who tried their hardest to rid him. He is now on his third since he has been Her Majesty's official Shadow Prime Minister. Why anyone thinks he shouldn't be one? Beggar's belief. Um, Rachel Swinson, hello Rachel. Yes, she quite simply said, Joe Swinson is a Tory. The only story in town today. Kiss. Um, Mellow Yellow, Mellow Ochra. Hello Mellow Yellow. She said, Joe Swinson is a Tory and and Caroline Lucas is a deep blue shade of green. Um, Nicola Jeffrey, my queen. Nicola Jeffrey, follow her on Twitter. Nicholas E. Jeffrey she said hmm the expression Tory on a push bike springs to mind for some reason that's in reference to Caroline Lucas um, Pavlova hashtag Corbyn Outrider says why are the Lib Dems listening to the self-serving chooker yes so many comments on the Lib Dems this week and obviously Caroline Lucas as well we'll get on to Caroline Lucas in a minute oh my goodness yes the Lib Dems as I said in the introduction how anyone can possibly side with them at the minute is, is unbelievable I mean it's just a nonsensical position from them but moreover anyway we should not trust these people the Lib Dems were responsible in part for the devastating austerity that we've seen across the country causing at least 120,000 related deaths a study several years ago now showed not least the assault on the welfare state as well as you may remember the Liberal Democrats as I mentioned last week quite happily caved in over benefit sanctions and reforms to the DWP for their 5p charge on carrier bags that sums up the measure of these snivelling state sycophants and the Lib Dems still cannot be trusted and as for Caroline Lucas and her unity government made up of all white middle-class women. As many people pointed out, there are some absolutely fantastic frontline black female politicians in this country who were sorely missed off Caroline Lucas's list. But moreover, I think for me, it was ultimately a class issue. All middle-class white women. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all for equality, but as a lot of people point out, what's the point in having equality if it's not true equality? To be honest, Caroline Lucas has always been my least favourite of Green Party leaders, and I think she showed her true colours this week with regarding that. Speaking of true colours, someone put, where is it, where is it? Yes, Carl Cook put, and this sums it up very nicely, true colours shining through. Joe Swinson, just like a shit Cindy Lauper. Yes, Joe Swinson, we can see your true colours shining through. Indeed, Carl. Thank you very much for that. Now, as always on the Top of Line Cage podcast, I do like to have balance. I will read out anyone's comments as long as they're not racist, homophobic, xenophobic, or anything such as that. Jay Prout at Jason underscore Prout underscore. He put, Joe Swinson isn't a Tory, and the fact that she's absolutely boiling the piss of the far-left Corbynista is proof that Lib Dems have made the right choice electing her as leader. I look forward to you reading this tweet out on Sunday. Cheers, cool emoji face. Of course, Jay, I'm more than happy to read this tweet out. And I think there's some truth in what you're saying, actually, to be honest. It maybe does show that Joe Swinson was the right choice for Lib Dems, the fact that it has aggravated and incensed Corbynistas, as you call them, so much. Because we wouldn't want politicians agreeing on everything, would we? What would be the point of having political parties? So, yes, I, I think you have a completely valid point there. However, of course, I strongly disagree with your assertion that Joe Swinson isn't a Tory. She is a Tory in disguise through and through. These centrists have a lot to answer for Jay. Sorry about that. 
So, filtering through all the stuff about hashtag Joe Swinson is a Tory, um, Paula Peters, brilliant campaigning disability rights activist. Hello, Paula. She said, Hong Kong protests, armed police are mobilising. NHS waiting lists, the wait getting even longer. NHS being ordered to charge EU citizens after Brexit. Yes, lots going on at the NHS at the minute. Um, you can check out some of my tweets this week regarding certain areas of the NHS. But yes, there was the news that NHS waiting lists are getting longer. The NHS, not, it was free-falling already. It is now free-falling even further into an absolute catastrophe and something needs to quickly be done about this. Hong Kong protests, I will come on to those in a second. So yes, Hong Kong, um, we're all in it together, my old mate. Hello, we're all in it together. He says, violent protesters waving union flags and stars and stripes, begging for a, quote, return to freedom and democracy. There was no vote, no freedom, and certainly no democracy under 100 years of British colonial rule. He then continued saying, um, live discussion, and he put a link, actually, this is what this is. He said, live discussion on Hong Kong with plenty of factual content that cuts through the media lies and spin and the politicians' bogus thoughts and prayers. Much relevant history and context here. Yes, Wirral, I completely agree with you on this. It is a real double-edged sword what is going on in Hong Kong at the moment. On the one hand, obviously, you have the authoritarian, totalitarian Chinese state suppressing democracy with their crony capitalist interpretation of communism. But then what do we have on the other hand? We have the corporatist capitalists of the West pushing this notion of democracy that the Hong Kong protesters want onto the public there. It is, as always, with any democracy protests around the world that happen of late, people are stuck between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, you have crony communist China, authoritarian and totalitarian and a real dictatorship. What do we have on the other hand? Crony corporatist capitalist Western states, authoritarian, and the people who are stuck in the middle and who are never the winners are the citizens of whatever country, in this case Hong Kong, it is going on in. Once again, these people are being used as pawns in political and economic manoeuvres. There will be no winners in this. Either way, the people of Hong Kong are royally screwed. So yes, we're all in this together. I think you made an excellent, excellent, excellent point there. Very, very, very good. And last but not least, I'd like to come back to Pavlova's comment, which is why the Lib Dems lib- listening to self-serving chucker. Um, Mark Dinsal um, at Om... Oh my goodness. Um, Mark Dinsdale, his handle is at Om Twatson. Um, think about it. Think about it, Top Lungage listeners. At Om Twatson. Read it, you'll see what he means. Um, he said, why, so why are Libyans listening to self-serving trigger? Mark Dinsdale said, because he has threatened to join the DUP if Joe allows Corbyn to be PM. Or so I have heard. Is Chukramina that much of a careerist as you would seriously consider joining these DUP um, if Joe Swinson allows Corbyn to become PM? To be honest, gravy training Chukka Amuna, it would not surprise me if he did. What an odious shit amongst a throng of odious shits he really is. And I think odious shits sums up the discussions and politicians that we have debated in this week's Twitter Chirps Back. Thank you so much for all your comments. It's always a pleasure to read them out. I really, really enjoy it. Keep them coming in. As always, you can get involved next Thursday or Friday. A tweet will go out and you can get debating the week's hot stories. Now, I have a global world record-breaking superstar to talk about on this week's Topple Uncaged. And here's this week's banger in Revolutionary Bird Song. This is the boat, bigging up dancehall, representing Olympia Rose Rhythm to the world. Yo, you see him boat say, pull up that! This man is famous for running on the track, but now he is running the track. Yes, multiple world record holder, multiple gold medal holder, entrepreneur and charitable foundation founder Usain Bolt has just stepped into the music business for the first time. What has he gone and done? He has produced his own rhythm, a rhythm being an instrumental track grounded in reggae and dancehall, which then other artists produce their own interpretations over. 
In partnership with the GH Mum Champagne brand, Bolt has released this rhythm across multiple platforms and to much critical acclaim already. And yes, I managed to get him to answer some questions for this podcast via email. I, I was quite taken aback, to be honest, that I got a line of communication with him. But it is an amazing opportunity for an amazing man who has released an amazing track. So, what's the deal? Okay, so the rhythm is called Olympa Rose. It is a combination of obviously Bolt's Olympic prowess, but also of the champagne that he is involved with for GH Mum, which, I mean, nonetheless, this is all a bit mad, obviously. He's got his name inscribed on the bottle. Apparently, Rose is one of his favourite drinks, hence the collaboration with Mum. The Rhythm is a bang up to date dancehall track which has got distinct Afrobeat overtones, putting it bang on the money in terms of what's popular at the minute. Bolt has produced something which is stripped back but is distinctly on trend with its use of high pitched synthesized instruments, a rattling drum line that's distinctly Afrobeat that goes on in the background, but also then the 808 bass which is typical of dancehall. It is at the perfect tempo to fit into either a dancehall, R&B or Afrobeat club. And as I say, the production values are extremely good on this. It is top quality stuff. When I asked Bolt about whether it was important to him to create something that was up to date, and that's why he did a mix of Afrobeat and dancehall, he told me that, yes, it was important to create a rhythm that captures the current mood of dancehall. It's a party vibe type of rhythm that everyone can dance to. And yeah, he is bang on the money when he says that. It is spot on on trend. And love it. So, Olimparose ridden, five different artists have put their own interpretations on it. First off, we've got B.B. Gardner, whose track Mount Girl is interesting to say the least. I mean, it's this, it's this great mix of vocals and Sing J, and nice use of rhyming patterns from Gardner. With this rapid fire machine gun like chorus, it's a proper club banger, and like I say, B.B.'s vocals on it are quite something to listen to. <laughs> Next up is dancehall legend Christopher Martin with his track Dweet. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, I shouldn't really as an independent journalist, but I have to say it's probably my favourite track of the five rhythms. You have a multi-layered vocal production, impressive performance by Martin, and this catchy chorus which again fits perfectly into what is currently on trend in the dancehall Afrobeat genres. It is really, really good. I love it. It's very easy to listen to and makes you want to rock out. Then Dexter Daps makes some big moves on the track Big Moves. Vocally for me, it's probably the standout performance of the five rhythms. He effortlessly glides between this frantic vocal tenor with some really, really complex melodic runs in there, which is really showing off his musical talents. He also then dips into this fantastic falsetto and then he drips into this really bassy Sing J, which is extremely impressive as well. Vocally, he is um, on fire on this track. Really, really good. Real exciting talent, actually. It'll be interesting to see what else Dexter Daps can do if he moves outside of dancehall. Very, very impressive. When you see the 18, step up on the scene, clean every girl, so we cool, ever fresh, ever mental. A top ball, ever roll it, but anyone will go, we can shell it by ourselves for your feet, the fourth track is from Ding Dong, part of the dancehall superstar group Ding Dong Ravers, with his track Top of the Top. Now Ding Dong is doing what he does best here. It's a rapid fire, crazy Sing J, covering a big, big vocal range. Extremely infectious. And also when you look at the content, Top of the Top, it's probably closest to Usain's actual vision for the rhythm, which was all about celebrating success, all about developing yourself in whatever you're doing, and being the best that you can be. Yeah, big up Ding Dong. Really solid work on this interpretation of Olympa Rose. And 
And last up is Mungo Honourable with his interpretation, which is Weekend. Wow, this is an incessant, non-stop vocal from him. It's using proper catchy rhyming rhythms, which to me makes this one of the probably most club-friendly tracks out of all of the five. And then he mixes these rhythms up really well, and the lyrics are quite cheeky as well. Not cheeky in a bad way. Cheeky has not a bit about government in there. Really, really interesting lyrics. And like I say, probably the biggest banger of them all that's going to go down well in clubs. About these five artists that have been working on this track, I asked Bolt, how did he find the creative process and also working with dancehall stars such as Christopher Martin and Ding Dong? He told me that it was very interesting seeing it all come together. Each artist has a different style in recording and it's something that's definitely to be respected. Yeah, you can hear the different styles across the five tracks. I think that's what's so clever, uh, firstly, about the rhythm, and then secondly, the interpretations that each one have put on them. As I said, Ding Dong, he is bang on the money with what he does normally. It's absolutely brilliant. And Christopher Martin as well, effortlessly mixing his Afrobeat and dancehall influences. They each have their own distinct styles all over this very catchy rhythm. Now, as I said about Ding Dong's track, it's probably closest to Yusain's vision of what he imagined when he was putting together the Limpa Rose rhythm. Part of this is all about his um, working with G.H. Mum, who, as I said, have released a special beverage in tribute to Bolt and his working with them. I asked him what the deal was with his partnership with this champagne company and exactly what his brief was. He told me that we have been working together since 2016. It's great working with the G.H. Mum family. If you know me, you know I'm all about winning and celebrating. Partnering with G.H. Mum was a no-brainer, as we believe in daring, winning and celebrating. Well, I think Usain Bolt has covered all those three things in, in his athletics career, and I think he now may be starting to do that within music. Any musicians listening to this podcast will know it ain't an easy process putting together tracks. And I was quite interested in whether Usain managed to carry some of the skills he'd learnt in athletics, including sort of dedication and patience, over to the music industry. He said to me that producing this track and producing music more broadly definitely required a lot of patience. And I realised the skills I acquired from athletics I was able to incorporate into making this project. You definitely have to be innovative and patient when creating music. Well, it looks like that patience and innovation has paid off, Usain. Moving on, I was also interested in what musicians have influenced Usain to produce this kind of music. I'd read um, in several places that he was influenced by US hip-hop artists as much as reggae, artists like uh, JC and Ludacris. But the answer was pretty straight from him. He told me that Bob Marley is my musical hero. His music is timeless and still relevant today. Wow, yeah, indeed it is relevant today. Probably more relevant, actually, than ever before in terms of what is going on globally regarding politics and social injustice. I was also interested in his thoughts on the sort of crossover between dancehall and the revival movement that's coming out of Jamaica at the minute. Because if you look at artists like Basie, who I recently had on this podcast, he's moved into more conscious kind of revival-led territory, especially with his last release, Holy Temple, as opposed to his dancehall background in T.O.K., Tok, which is more commercial-driven. Usain, in my opinion, quite rightly says that he thinks there's no limit to music. Each artist has to evolve and embark on their own musical journey. It'll be really interesting, actually, to see where Usain goes on his musical journey next, having started off with some dancehall Afrobeat rhythm, to see where he expands and now takes this blossoming career. He also told me that in terms of Jamaican music and culture, that he was pleased that it's starting to get more awareness around it. He said, I think Jamaica is starting to get the global recognition it so deserves for the impact it's had on music globally. Yep, I agree, you're saying. It is sorely underrecognized just what Jamaica, and especially reggae, has done for the global music industry. So many genres, from hip-hop to grime to the current drill phenomenon in the UK, you can trace their roots back to reggae and roots music quite often. And yeah, big up that Jamaica is finally getting to be heard properly and getting the recognition it deserves yet again. Now, as we know, Usain is famous not only as an athlete, but also as an entrepreneur, but he's also doing quite a lot of charity work as well. He runs the Usain Bolt Foundation, which is giving things back to the community in Jamaica in positive, productive and direct ways. In terms of philanthropy, it is an extremely good foundation with what it was. And I asked him whether it was important for him to give something back to his community that he grew up in. He told me that it's very important to give back. 
I remember growing up not having certain things. I definitely feel it's my responsibility to give as much as I can. Since being retired from athletics, it has allowed me to do more charitable work. My team and I are currently working on some projects to roll out under the Usain Bolt Foundation umbrella. Excellent, good stuff. And the links to his foundation and where you can support it will, of course, be in the show notes for this show. Like I said in the introduction, the Olympa Rose Rhythm is fire. I love it. It's a great bang-on trend piece of work. Five great interpretations from five great dancehall artists and a really encouraging start to Usain Bolt's foray into music. So to finish off, I asked him, are we going to see more music coming from Team Bolt in the future? Fingers bloody crossed. He told me that, as my motto says, anything is possible. I don't think limits. My fans expect the unexpected from me. Boom. Yes. Now, while the track may be unexpected, the quality and precision of it is, of course, not unexpected from this world-class record-breaking athlete. I would urge you all to go and download it now. The links for this are in the show notes. It was a real pleasure and a real honour to be able to fire some questions at Usain Bolt, an opportunity I never thought I would hit the heady heights of getting, but it was a treat, and I'm looking forward to working with him some more in the future. But for the minute, here it is. This is Usain Bolt's Olympa Rose Rhythm, a medley mix of all five tracks from all five artists. Check this out. It is fire, and I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, Olympa Rose from Usain Bolt. Ramsey put it a nursery Fuck a gal pan fool no anniversary No matter where you tell her she return to me In a system and a top of the top Bag of money man I'm a queen on a And that's it. Series 2, episode 15 of Top Line Caged is done. I'd like to thank my fantastic guest this week, the incomparable Tina Rodwell. You can follow her on Twitter. It's at Tina Rodwell 1. The sensational Usain Bolt. Oh my goodness. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Usain Bolt. As always, behind the scenes, thanks to the love of my life, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Nicola C. Jeffrey. My man behind the booth, sound engineer Gav Pause. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Pause with the Z Radio. And my in house singer, it's Ray Star Music. Follow her on Twitter. It's at Ray underscore Star 113. Thank you to the Canary for engaging me. I will see you next week. Uncaged.